I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Glade is seven feet tall. Aye, and if he were here, he'd consume Wake Forest with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from. Oi, well, uh, I think you know where from. Let's keep this thing generated. Welcome to the Scotsman Podcast. I am your host, Matt Glade. And yes, I can shoot fireballs from my eyes. That is not a lie. Ah, uh, we are back. After a couple-week hiatus, I apologize. I started this podcast, did a couple episodes, and then I took a break. I went away for a while. I apo- Again, apologies. Um, like I said in the first episode, sometimes my uh, my position here at KSL um, gets in the way of me doing things I like doing, like podcasting. But um, we, uh, if you watched it last night, let's see, I'm recording this Friday. It is now... 1.14 a.m., so when I say last night, I mean Thursday night. We did a primetime special of the Utah-BYU game leading up to the uh, beatdown that was Utah over BYU. And I was talking about, just to tie this into Utah State, I was talking with a couple of um, my coworkers, uh, Jeremiah Jensen. You know his uh, handsome face from the television, and our boss, um, Nate Dowdle, who's our sports director, and... Watching that game, it felt a lot like before Gary got to Utah State in 09, back in the Gary Anderson days, or excuse me, before the Gary Anderson days of Brent Guy, whenever we would play Utah or BYU, the Aggies I'm talking about, I say we still, golly, I went to, I went to school there, I apologize. Yes, I'm an unbiased member of the media, but I still say we to my alma mater. <laughs> but yeah, that's what it felt like watching them. They're in it for a half. You're feeling really good. You're like, hey, yeah, yeah, we might pull this out. And then everything just falls apart in the second half. That's how it always went. I mean, honestly, it usually was in the second quarter, not the second half when it was the Brent Guy era. But you get the gist of it. And <sighs> here's the thing. I like BYU competitive. It's it's good for college football in this state. It's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun when you play them. It's a lot more. It's it's just more fun when they're good. I want them to be good, and they're not good right now. And that was very obvious. But that is enough rivalry talk. Anyway, 
I went off on a tangent to let you know I've been spending most of my time doing high school football, getting ready for that rivalry game and that rivalry show we were doing. I didn't have an opportunity to pot about Utah State as much as I could. Um, so, like I said, it's one, it's 1 in the a.m. I just got back from Salem Hills High School where I covered a high school football game. They beat Juab 24 to nothing because I know you were all wondering that after I mentioned it. Uh, watch the game. Watch Utah State, Wake Forest. Saw some random tweets. I was curious about how things went down. And let me just say this before we go too much further. If you're looking for a Utah State podcast that is an echo chamber and is just going to build the team up and wear the Aggie blue goggles, I am probably not the podcast for you. I am just not. I'm a little bit more realistic, so to speak. I mean, I'm an optimistic man by nature, but when it comes to this stuff, uh, I'm going to point out the bad. I'm going to highlight the good, but I am going to point out the bad. So just prepare yourself. But also know that if I say one thing, it doesn't necessarily mean that the opposite is true. So if I say something like Jordan Love struggled tonight, it doesn't mean I think Jordan Love sucks. That is not what I am saying. All right? So just keep that in mind, bear in mind when I'm making points. And now, that being said, after watching the game, David Woodward is the best linebacker in the state. Oh my gosh. What was that? That was an absolutely phenomenal game. I have I, I have rarely seen a defensive talent in my 13 years of covering college football at it, in this market play like he played tonight. 24 tackles, three and a half for loss, and a sack, and two two forced fumbles. I am counting that fumble that he took back. I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not discounting. That wasn't his fault that it got called back. That was an insane play. He just took it from Newman. He just took it from him. He was all over the place. There was nothing they could do to stop him. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure watching that game. Just, just, just for David Woodward alone. And we talked, I, we talked the entire preseason about. Who is going to play Woodward? It doesn't matter who plays next to him. It doesn't. It just does not matter at all. I could go out there, and I, I think they'd be okay in the front seven if I was out there next to David Woodward. He's like three linebackers in one. Wow, that was just, just – he was in the right position every time. He never gave up on plays. I mean, on the first drive, the first force fumble that, that he caused, he gets beat by Newman. He never gives up on the play, ends up making the tackle and strips him. Justice Tay recovers. It was that kind of motor, or as uh, Coach Anna likes to say, that Aggie effort was on display tonight. Let's talk a few more, few more points I want to hit. Now that I'm done extolling on the greatness that is David Woodward, uh, the defensive line in general, they are they are stout. That is that is that is an incredible unit. The things they did tonight, the situations that they were put in. Three fourth down stops and a couple of third down stops were absolutely, uh, absolutely incredible. The stats from this game were um, 
let me bring him up. I apologize. I I don't I don't memorize numbers very well, so I have to reference stuff a little bit. I got to look up. Um so the number of plays total was 105 from Wake Forest. And it was interesting to me as I was watching their offense play. That delayed read option nullified the greatest strength that the Aggies have, and that's speed off the edge. Because they had to stay because they had to stay home. So Tipanaliai I mean, the way you take him out of games is you put that slow read option where they're just kind of waiting for stuff to develop, and he can't do much. It was um, it was interesting to watch. I've um, I've not seen uh, many uh, uh, spread options ran like that. Uh, but okay, so back to my original point: 105 plays. Um, 58 of them running. They only averaged 3.1 yards rushing. They were so good. They lived in that backfield. The push they got from guys like Chris Unga, who was an absolute beast uh, tonight. I mean, they, Nick Henniger uh, got some good reps. Uh, Jacoby Wildman had there was a third there was a third down play with Wildman where he just absolutely blew up the play. And got them, and got the stop, and got them to punt. Uh, yeah, that front seven. My biggest takeaway from this from this night was how good that front seven was. They were put in some impossible situations sometimes, but considering the talent that was very evident from Wake Forest, especially in the rushing game, and uh, Newman and Carney are spectacular players, and to limit them as much as they did, I mean, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, I dare say 25 carries for 105 yards is, is, isn't is limiting him. But Newman, on the other hand, 21 carries for 36 yards is a pretty good job. It's a pretty good job. And so I wouldn't be too down on the defense. The one part of the defense that was kind of evident, and uh, Gary Anderson talked about this with uh, Jeremiah Jensen on Sports Beat Sunday, if you were kind enough to watch the one-on-one that we did with Coach Anderson. The uh, the size of the defensive backs going ag- going against the size of Wake Forest receivers that was exploited time and time and time again. There were a lot of missed tackles. There were a lot of jump balls. Where it has nothing to do with the talent of the defensive backs, because there are some good ones. Shaq Bond, DJ Williams, they're good. They're very good, but. Um, Five nine, five ten against six two is just sometimes you just don't win that, no matter how good you are. And there were a hand more than a handful of times, I'd say there were about a dozen times where that just did not work out in the Aggies' favor. Uh do I think that's gonna be a major problem? No, I don't think so. I think that front seven they have is going to make up for I'm, for whatever short I, okay. So I'm trying to think how to phrase this. I for whatever shortcomings the the defensive backs have, um, yeah, shortcomings literally, it, it it'll be it, it'll be masked by the front seven, and and it's it's not like they have a lot of shortcomings. They're 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 good, they're fine. There's some new faces back there, but I I think they're good. I think they're gonna be fine based on what I saw. There wasn't anything that makes me say, oh wow, we really got to worry about the defensive backs. That defense in general was really good. Um, 
that final drive. But I be, but even that final drive, they give up the two big plays. They hold them to a fourth down, and ah, yeah, it's just a jump ball, jump ball on fourth down. That that's the game winner. Uh, it was kind of that when you look at it, that drive was kind of a microcosm of the entire game defensively, where they gave up some big plays to the receivers. They stuffed them three times in the run game. And then a jump ball touchdown wins it. Yeah, that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. Okay. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about for a second here is the third down call with, what was it, a little over two minutes left in the fourth quarter? Third and four, midfield. Yeah, Jordan Love had a couple interceptions up to that point, but you're, you're, you're not putting it in Jordan Love's hands. This isn't a hot take. Everybody on Twitter had this take, but come on. Really? He is quite possibly an NF- <clears throat> a first-round NFL quarterback. He is an NFL quarterback. Quite possibly a first-round quarterback is what I'm saying. Those are the t- type of situations in which you have to give the ball to Jordan Love. Jalen Warren had a great game up to that point. You can't put the game in Jalen Warren's hands. That's not... That's not his role. That's Jordan Love's role to do. Does it show a lack of confidence in him? It kind of does. I mean, I'm not in the coach's heads, but from what I'm seeing, to not give it... There was another... The other time was when they stopped them on fourth down. It was third and long, and they ran a run play, backed up in their own, own end zone. I just... It's a handful of times. You have Jordan Love... It, Use Jordan Love. Use him in those situations. That's why he's there for. I mean, the, the third, uh, the one where you're backed up, maybe not so much. But my first instinct when I saw it was, you should throw there. You should throw. But that midfield one, it's that is just way too conservative. You're just not going to win games giving the ball to Jalen Warren on third and four. It's just not going to happen, especially on the road when you. As you always say, you have nothing to lose on the road. You go for the win. You go for the win on the road. You have to. That offense is too good to not come up with something better than that. The offensive line in general, though, pretty dang good. Uh, I was uh, that was the offensive line in general. Throw, pretty solid, pretty dang solid. And considering you have. Two red shirt freshmen on the right side. Um, there were a couple big plays sprung on the right side of that line. Uh, the one big Jalen Warren run came off. Of course, they did pull and uh, trap from the other side, but still came on the right side of the line. Uh, they got good push, handled themselves well. Uh, Jordan had some pressure. I wouldn't say he was under pressure all night long uh, by any means. I think they did a really good job. They they gave him a good pocket for the most part. Um, obviously, there's always going to be a few times where you don't, but I liked what I saw, I liked what, especially on the road in ACC country. We also spent a lot of time this offseason worried about the weapons that Jordan Love would have. Can they replace the production? Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, they can. They looked absolutely fantastic tonight. Uh, COC Mariner looked great. Jordan Nathan is an absolute baller. Gerald Bright is Gerald Bright. Okay, look. Talk, speaking of Gerald Bright, I mentioned Jalen Warren just a little bit earlier. I was a, a little surprised when you look at the final numbers. 19 carries for Warren, 9 for Bright. Kind of surprised he didn't get more. He also had four catches, but they kind of went with Warren, which, I, I mean, he was the hot hand. He was, he was running the ball well, uh, but to not give it more to Bright, that was that was. A, a little surprising, uh, what I will say. 13 touches is still quite a few from Bright, but it's not it's not as many as I thought it would be, to say the least. But the other weapons outside of him, Devin Tompkins. Devin Tompkins on that screen pass. Holy cow, that guy is fast. Just an absolute burner. And then uh, Savon Scarver, he, I wish I would have seen a little bit more of him in the second half. He Kind of disappeared. Uh, had a great couple of catches in the first half. Um, Carson Terrell and Caleb Rep look like they're going to be a good tandem to replace the production that Dax Raymond leaves behind. I mean, here's the thing. Dax left. He also missed a lot of games to injury. So it, there was a balance to begin with. I was never really worried about the tight end be for that reason. Yeah, these these receivers are going to be just fine. I, I don't see um, there being much of a drop-off. Um, I've stated many times before, and I'll just repeat myself, if there is a drop-off, it's only because the numbers they put up last year were absolutely insane, and to replicate any of those numbers would be a feat. So um, if there is a drop-off, that's just natural because nobody can repeat what they did last year. Uh, but in general, the production that will come from the wide receivers and the running backs sh should be just fine this year. I'm, I'm not worried about uh, what Jordan Love has surrounding him. And let's talk about Jordan Love for a second. Jordan Love was really good tonight. He, he was very, very good. He had some absolutely incredible throws. He also had some absolutely... Horrible throws. Horrible. That first interception was not good. There was there was there was pressure. There was nothing in his face, and he still threw it off his back foot. It, it, it that it's just the kind of it's not the it's not the kind of throw you expect to see from somebody like Jordan. Um, he just killed the team a couple of times with those interceptions. And honestly, quite frankly, there were a couple more interceptions that they could have had. There was a couple of times where they were just bad throws. They were just bad throws. Now, on the other end, two of his touchdown throws were two of the best passes I've ever seen him throw. And that's saying something considering the number of touchdown passes he's thrown. They were... He put them in spots where only Nathan and where only Mariner could make plays on them, and they did to their credit. That ball the Mariner caught was—I <clears throat> I don't know how he got the foot down, but 
props to Jordan Love for putting it in a spot where only Mariner could go get it. It's disappointing because Jordan Love still just does not have that statement win. He's been so close a couple of times. Michigan State last year, Boise State, and now Wake Forest. It's it's just something you want to see from him. You want to see him go out and you want to see him lead the Aggies on that game-winning drive after there's been some opposition. And it looked like he was. That final drive, he was starting to, after those first two throws, which were, when I say he was making some bad throws, those first two throws, I don't exactly know what he was trying to do throwing across the field. But once he settled in after that, it looked like he was going to march him down. There's the penalty, the, the, the targeting penalty. And then it's just a great play by the Wake Forest defender to pick that off. I don't know. You just, I'd like to see it. I really want to see it from him. And this was his chance. This I thought I thought this was his best chance to do that. Um, we'll see how well they're playing when they go into LSU. Uh, do I think he's going to have an opportunity like that against the Tigers? I I would say no, but you know, crazier things have happened. Overall, though, I'll go back to it. Jordan was great. It was a really good game. And my final thoughts on all of this. It's basically the same feeling I had after the Michigan State game last year. This team's really good. They lost to a good team on the road. There's not much more you can do. They just made a couple of more plays than Utah State did down down the stretch. Same thing Michigan State did when they had to do a final drive and 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 get a score, they did it, and Utah State didn't. And that's just how it is I saw a lot of good stuff from Utah State a lot of good stuff they're not perfect and they got a lot to work on but this is going to be a good team again Um, can they get to double digit wins possibly that's that's what I'm seeing again and I'm excited to see uh, what they can do in a few weeks Um, I don't think Stony Brook's going to be much for them but once we get more into Mountain West play, and once BYU comes to town, I think it's gonna. I think there's. Gonna, I think it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be fun. Um, and that's what this is. At the end of the day, that's what this is about. If it's not fun, then who cares? Who wants to watch unfun football? Okay, these are just some of my quick thoughts. I'll take a more in-depth look at a couple things when I get some more time. Um, when it's not. Almost 2 a.m. Yeah, the season is going to be fine. I, I I wouldn't panic too much, Aggie fans. If you're out there, they're going they're going to be just fine. They're going to be competing for the Mountain Division. This is definitely a team that looks like they could play in the Mountain West Championship. This is definitely a team that is going to go to a bowl game. Those are my. The, you want my honest? That's that's what I'm taking away from this. Is this team is going to go to a bowl game again this year? Um, are they going to go undefeated? Nope. Not going to go undefeated. Probably not going to go to a New Year's Six game like we all thought there was a possibility of, but that's okay. It's all right. They're going to go to a bowl game. 
And it's going to be really entertaining. The journey's going to be really entertaining, so enjoy it. Um, learn to relax a little bit out there in the Twitterverse. It's all right, okay? Don't forget to watch Sports Beat Sunday and Game Night Live. On Sports Beat, we'll have a recap of Friday night's game against the Demon Deacons. We'll also have David Nixon and Stevenson Sylvester breaking down all of the college football. They'll break down some stuff that we saw from Utah State tonight, the good and the bad. Tune in because, yeah, they're a Ute and they're a Cougar, but they're really good at what they do. They know what they see, and they're a lot of fun to work with, and uh, you'll enjoy what they have to say. And uh, until next time, thank you for listening to the podcast where the sagebrush grows. Thank you.